0: I don't want people to say, I, I, I like my job. I like my job means they pay me well and I feel challenged. I want people to say, I love my job, meaning I will never work anywhere else.
1: You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with my buddy, co-founder of the Paul Mitchell Schools, Wynn Claybaugh. His story will prove that we have the power to create the culture we want. Hey there, it's Patrice from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back for another episode of Redefining Wealth. So excited to be back, so excited to be feeling better and better. I was sick a lot of January, but it's a brand new month. Hey, welcome to a brand new month, a brand new opportunity to get even deeper into creating the results you want in your life. Because for us, 2018 is no longer about resolutions. It's about results. And this is exactly what this series has been all about. I know it's been life-changing, you guys. I know every week you're like, please. I took so many notes. I had to listen over and over again. Let me tell you, don't don't get it twisted. This episode will be no different. I am so proud of what has come out of this series if I do say so myself. I am being blessed each and every time I listen and every time I read your reviews and you know, read your comments. So if you're new here, welcome. Welcome to Redefining Wealth. Again, we chase purpose not money and the entire premise here is really about understanding the original definition of wealth, which is all about well-being. So for the last several weeks, I've been helping you really achieve your financial goals by teaching you how to create results in all areas of your life, because it really all goes together. So if you're new here, you want to listen to this entire series, it kicks off with Brandy Harvey. We went over the fit pillar. That's the first pillar of redefining wealth. And then Paul Brunson, people pillar, Egypt Sherrod, space pillar, Tara, Carissa Hodges, faith pillar, and now Wynne Claybaugh for the work pillar. And let me tell you, Wynne is such a force. I am so grateful that my buddy, Tim Story, who I'm going to have to drag on here. I'm sure he'll come willingly. But my buddy, Tim Story, introduced me. To win Clay Ball. And I'm telling you, it has been such a blessing being in his world, just getting to know him, um, being able to have like genuine just conversation with him. Um, it's funny that this episode actually comes out on February 1st, 2018, because on January 1st, I actually kicked off his master's audio. So he has a, uh, another business where he interviews thought leaders and and some really amazing people. I can't even, you know, I'm really grateful to to be in the lineup, but he kicked off this year with interviewing me. And it's so funny how it all came about. Tim introduced us, yes, and you'll hear some of the story. I won't give it away. It's in the interview. But the funny thing is when he wanted to interview me for masters, he actually Got a hotel room near my house. And I went to, you know, the hotel and we were all geeked up to do the interview. And then there was construction going on outside. And so, you know, you guys know we're big on the space pillar here. When is like, you know, can we do it at your house? And I'm like, sure, let's do it in my home office. But I was like, praise the Lord that I keep my space in order. <laughs> So grateful that, you know, 15 minutes later, we were in my home office doing this interview. It's officially, I did interview Devon Franklin in person, which was very cool, but I went to his office. This was the first interview. I don't know if I'll do more. That was actually in my home office outside of my husband. You know, we did our our 10 lessons in 10 years of marriage episode, but this was like official. And um, I just have to give a shout out to everyone who has ever gone through the Paul Mitchell schools. I know it's such a huge um, staple in the beauty industry. And Wynn is an icon. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal person. And to all the owners of the different Paul Mitchell schools, I have to shout them out. There are apparently some schools who are encouraging their future professionals, the students in the school, to listen to the podcast and They've been interacting with me on Instagram, and man, you guys have a wonderful culture. So I dedicate this episode to you and uh, just really hope that you know that you made a good choice, I think, going through um, this environment in particular, because I've just never seen anything like it. And if you've ever struggled in the workplace, if you've ever struggled as a business owner to figure out what type of culture you want to cultivate... In your space, in your business, with your team, then when is someone that you definitely will learn a lot from in this episode? He has totally shifted how I even saw myself and my business and what I want to create, and so I hope it does the same for you. So make sure you subscribe if you haven't. Um, thank you for over fifty thousand downloads. I think we're like fifty-five thousand downloads now. You guys just make me so happy. Uh, Week after week, it's good to know that folks are valuing what you're putting out into the world. And after I read his for real bio, (laughs) after we get into the legit bio, the next thing you'll hear is my conversation with such an amazing person, Wynn Claybaugh. And trust me, by the end of this, you'll know why I can't help but sing his praises. So here we go. Wynne Claybaugh is the author of Be Nice or Else and one of the best motivational speakers in the country, according to CNN's Larry King, who wrote the foreword for Wynne's book. A business owner for over 30 years with over 16,000 people in his organization, Wynne is the founder and co-owner of Hair Care Giant, paul mitchell school division with more than 110 locations throughout the u.s the young company was ranked three years in a row 06 through 08 in the top 10 of franchise times magazines fast 55 a ranking of the fastest growing young franchises and has repeatedly ranked in the top 50 and earned best in category in the franchise business reviews franchisee satisfaction awards He's been the national motivational expert for Paul Mitchell and has helped thousands of businesses build their brands and create successful working cultures. His clients include Southwest Airlines, the Irvine Company, Vidal Sassoon, Entertainment Tonight, Mattel for Rent Magazine, and many other businesses from hospitals to apartment communities. So that tells you no matter what you do, you need to listen in. He is a frequent guest speaker at every major beauty industry event and the host of Master's Audio Club, a popular beauty industry audio series with subscribers in over 10 countries who receive Wynn's monthly CD and MP3 interviews. Without further ado, my friend, Wynn Claybaugh. So first of all, I am so excited to have this opportunity to sit down with you of all people. I mean, when you first reached out to me, like Tim said, listen, Tim's story, our mutual friend was like, he's going to call you, he's going to reach out. And in my mind, I thought for sure, so his assistant or like, I'm going to get some email from someone and then they're going to set up a time for us to talk. And then you just like text me and call me yourself. And I was like, wow, this is phenomenal. And then by the time we got off the phone the first time, I'm like, okay, he doesn't know this yet, but he's going to be stuck with me for a long time, <laughs> even if I have to stalk him. So thank you for being here.
0: It was meant to be because I was given your name along with a couple of other people. Mm-hmm. And, and I was looking back and forth, back and forth at photos and bios, photos and bios, and I was just stuck with you. This is the woman that I want to connect with for uh, an event that I had coming up. And Mm -hmm. I knew immediately it was going to be much more than just one event.
1: You know what's so crazy? I almost didn't launch my new site this Mm -hmm. summer because there were so many technical things going on and there was a lot of back and forth and I was traveling. I was gone from home like 21 days. Didn't have a lot of time to work on it. And I almost didn't do it. And then I remembered that progress beats perfection. Hmm. And I was like, you know what? There is still something with this redefining wealth. You're on to something. And just put it out there and see if the audience can receive it from you. Because it's a little different than the money box that you've been in. And I thought about it this morning knowing I would have this time to talk to you. What if it was my old stuff? What if it was just the budget, credit, invest, retirement, and it wasn't what God had been putting on my heart, which is this message of chase purpose, not
0: money, which was the theme of the conference?
1: That was what was so crazy.
0: Your listeners have to know the impact that you had on my audience last week. And these are some seasoned, seasoned people. We've been gathering twice a year for a minimum of four days each time for 20 years now, literally. And we have like 100% representation from every one of my locations. And so so these people have seen the best of the best. I brought Magic Johnson into them, Gary Sinise, some pretty, Lisa Gibbons. Lisa Gibbons, Kathy Buckley, Tim Story, who we just mentioned. So they've had the best of the best. There was just something about you that just- other speakers are great. Mm-hmm. You you are great and approachable and mm. that was pretty profound. So thank oh, you for that.
1: Thank you so much for having me. They were phenomenal. That entire event was phenomenal and it was quite the testament just to me I always say it's top down. Right? Like you just don't happen upon that type of culture. <laughs> like that is intentionally created. And so I want to start right there, take it back a little bit. How did you even become the co-founder
0: of Paul Mitchell Schools? I'm not a hairdresser. I've never been a hairdresser, but I started my own salon 35 years ago, which expanded into a second salon. And then I got into the school business, which was one of the best things that I ever did because I love education. I love the world of education. Had I stayed only in the salon business, I don't think that I would still be in the beauty industry today because- what really brought out the passion for me and falling in love with the beauty industry was, again, education. I love working with that next generation. They have what I call beginner's luck, which basically means that they don't know it won't work. <laughs> I, I can walk into one of my schools with the stupidest idea, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. And I, I just love that, that energy. <laughs>
1: That's good. And so, how did you set yourself apart, though? I mean, when after I spoke, when I posted on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere, like, oh, just spoke at the Paul Mitchell event. I mean, the people who were, people I didn't even know that were into hair and beauty, you know, you're connected with people online, but I don't really know their lives or what they're passionate about or what their backgrounds are. The people who were coming out of the woodworks, first of all, saying that they went to a Paul Mitchell school and it was phenomenal, Mm -hmm. even though they might be off doing something else, it really set the foundation or that they had relatives that owned schools or, I mean, and everyone was like, when is an icon? I'm like, I didn't even know cuz like I know that you're a big deal when but in that industry you're a big freaking deal. You don't even have hair. <laughs> like <laughs> so I'm trying to understand how did you set yourself apart?
0: We never really compared ourselves to to somebody else. And I think a lot of people try to build their businesses or their brand by comparing themselves to somebody else. What's what's the competitor doing? And oh, we'll just do it better. And we didn't do that. What we did was we just followed our own heart. We just followed our own gut of this is quality. Mm -hmm. And what does quality look like for us? What does a full-on commitment look like for us? Is it just having a a clean facility or is it a facility that when people show up, they feel loved, they feel safe? Some people call it the third space. The first space is your own home. The second space Mm -hmm. is where you work. And people are looking for a third space. For a lot of people, Starbucks is a third space. It's the space where they go and hang out and, you know, they don't work there. They don't own stock there, but they just hang out sometimes for hours in a day. And I wanted to create a space where people could come yeah, they're there to get their hair done or they're there to get an education, but there's something else that draws them in. And we see it a lot. You know, oh, why are you here today? You have an appointment? No. (laughs) You know, you're working today? Why are you here? No, I'm not working. It's my day off, but I wanted to come and hang out. But you're not working. I'm not paying you to be here, but I still want to be here. Yeah. And I wanted that kind of a space.
1: Well, that is definitely what's being created. I mean, just firsthand, darn near everyone I met it was no handshakes. Everyone was like, I hug. And I mean, people were really looking eye to eye. You know, you go some places and people won't even make eye contact or they're afraid. And it was like, so I still don't know. I don't have a word yet to really describe it. But it was such an amazing feeling to be in that space. Like there's of, a different type of spirit.
0: None of that's by accident, though. Right. You you train that. You train people. We hug each other. And it's, it's not so much training as it is giving people permission. Because mm. a lot of people think, well, I'm in corporate America. We don't hug. Here's a handshake. Nice to meet you. Look them in the eye. <laughs> Give them a handshake. good handshake. <laughs> exactly. You know, not that little fishy, wishy-washy handshake. Yeah, exactly. You can train people to hug each other. You can train people. We have permission here to go a little deeper in our relationships, which there are people who have Disney tattooed to their bodies. Yeah again, they don't own stock there. They don't, they don't, they don't work there, but they feel so much a part of the Disney family. Right. They're so loyal to that culture that they tattoo it to their bodies. And I want the same thing. I want people to feel so loyal. I don't want people to say, I, I, I like my job. I like my job means they pay me well and I feel challenged. I want people to say, I love my job, meaning I will never work anywhere else.
1: Yeah. That's good. Right. That's yeah. good. So that means then you really value one of our pillars in particular, which is the people pillar. Relationships matter.
0: It's all about relationships.
1: Can you tell us about your book? I want to hear (laughs) more about the book because that's a big, really, relationship book, right? About how to treat people.
0: Mm -hmm. The book is called Be Nice or Else. The first part of the book is undoing that myth of what it means to be nice or what it doesn't mean to be nice. People think if I'm nice, that means I'm weak, especially in the business world. Mm-hmm. That to be about business, to get the job done, to be respected, you have to be a little hardcore and and maybe even be a little mean. Where for your for your employees to respect you, they have to fear you. Yeah. Very, very old school. So I wanted to undo all those myths about what it means. and doesn't mean to be nice. The second part of the book is about being nice to yourself. Mm. Because I don't believe that you can be nice to a customer, to to your family, to your friends, to a fellow employee, if you're not first being nice to yourself. My best teachers have been women. I dedicated my book to my grandma, to my mom, and to my two sisters, the nicest people that I know. But what I've also observed about women is that sometimes they were taught to believe that they should never think about themselves, that they're supposed to take care of everybody else's problems, worry about everybody else's needs, but don't think about your own. And that might sound noble that you're not going to worry about your own problems, but you'll worry about everybody else's. Sounds noble, but it's impossible. It's impossible. And, and I'm in an industry that's 80% women. So yeah. you better believe I better get it right. <laughs> we, we can't say that we honor family time. We, we honor a single mother's experience. If we then are upset that she wants to leave at three o'clock and we don't make the accommodations so that she can leave and go pick up her kid from school,
1: that's good. Well,
0: everybody else stays till five. You know, that's not fair. It's no, we have to honor each other, and that's all about relationships.
1: And that's about having your walk line up with your talk. Mm-hmm. Right. Because a lot of people will say that they have one value or one whatever, and then you meet them. It's like even for me, when I meet people who say I'm a motivational speaker, you know, and I've chatted with you for three minutes in Starbucks and I am depressed now because
0: (laughs) you haven't inspired. me. I have not
1: been inspired, transformed, motivated to do anything but get to my car because you were giving me this sob story. You know, it's like your walk has to line up with the talk.
0: Right. Well, it's, it's like people who almost give like a calling card. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, if you really are a Christian, you wouldn't need to tell me. I could just see it. You know, what, what, do they, what do they say? Go out there and preach the word of God and sometimes use words. <laughs> That's good. Meaning it should be how we live our lives every yeah. single day that sends out the message, whatever the message is, whether it's a ministry mm-hmm. or it's, it's uh, something that you sell, something that you represent, something that you're passionate about. People should see it as part of who you are and how you live your life.
1: So when what do you do in your organization, in your community, when people are not living up to that, though? Because there's not everyone is going to fall into the, okay, we hug, okay, we, you know, there's some people who I'm sure have wanted to own one of your schools, right. and and they want it to be the old school method. How do you deal with that?
0: Well, first of all, we're not for everybody. Yeah. And so I've turned down a ton of money, and I'm talking millions and millions of dollars of people who said, I want to here's 50 million, let's expand this everywhere, but they weren't the right person. And I'm thinking, my gosh, if if you can't even sit in a meeting with me without staring at your phone every two seconds to see what else has come in that's more important than me, how are you going to be treating a student that's signing up for school? How are you going to treat an employee who's having a rough day? You're too busy for that conversation. And so, no, this is not going to work. And so it's, it's fine to say, you know what? This is not a good fit. This is not going to work for us. Mm -hmm. I wish you well, but no, we don't have to say yes to this deal just because you have the right resume and you have the right bank account. So first of all, what do they say? Hire slow, you know, choose your partners slow as well. Just choose the people that are in your life. Go slowly with that. And so we, we make sure that we're hiring slow, that we bring the right people in. But then also when somebody is not performing, I look at it as they either won't do it or they can't do it. Won't do it means there's an attitude issue here. Mm. They're having a bad day or they're having a bad month or they've chosen a bad year. They've chosen misery, but there's something that we can do about that. We can love people. We can coach people. Can't do it. Can't perform their job. Can't be nice. means they need training. They need coaching. They need intervention. And so we're always trying to to determine that. But the biggest picture here is that there is a belief system that's written down of who we are and what we stand for. Because if it's not written down, then you don't have a system. Like they say, people don't run your company, systems run your company. And people work those systems. Well, our system, it's spelled out. We have what we call golden rules. There's 13 of them. And number two is always be in a great mood, fake it when necessary. (laughs) So if you come to work for me, here it is. Here are our golden rules. We live by this. We're not perfect at it. Number five is gossip is not allowed. If you love to gossip, it's not going to be a good fit here. And, And you could gossip yesterday, but today is a new day. And now you're under this umbrella and this is who we are and what we stand for. So that when, when it's written down, people know what's expected of them. They know what they signed up for. And then you got off track where you have been in a bad mood or you're gossiping. I can pull you back in and say, come on, this is who we are. Look at what's written down. You agreed to this. Oh my gosh, you're right when you're right. I got off track and I'm back on track now.
1: And do those golden rules extend to the future professionals?
0: Oh, absolutely. Okay. It's, it's poster size, hanging in every single location. It's not a mission statement that gets buried and dusty. It's part of our culture. And we talk about it every single day. And I, and I say that we talk about it every single day because it's true. We have staff meeting every single day every single day. Because I believe that anytime that there's a problem in any kind of an organization, it could be a family, it could be a business, it could be a nonprofit organization. Anytime that there's a a, a problem, that problem came up because relationships broke down Mm -hmm. and relationships break down because there's a lack of communication. And so our staff meeting is not about three hours long of People just love to hear themselves talk, and who has a problem? That's not staff meeting. It's it's about okay, who are we? What do we stand for? How are we going to create magic today? We're still looking at numbers. We're still looking at sales because it's we a are a for profit. <laughs> you know, a lot of I know a lot of people who are running what I call their nonprofit companies, and <laughs> they they weren't designed to be right. nonprofit. But uh, you know where you are for profit. But the purpose of those daily staff meetings are to communicate and reconnect as a team.
1: How did you become such a great businessman?
0: That's a good question. I don't read very much. Mm -hmm. I wrote a book, but I don't read. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) I have no college education, not one day of college. But how I've always gained information was to ask a lot of questions. And I've always been attracted to people who are successful and famous, but for the right reason. And I like to preference that because there's a lot of famous people that I really could care less what they have to share. Um, And nowadays, even more famous for who knows, for zero talent, you can be famous. Like my mom said that how she got me to eat breakfast when I was a little kid was to tell me that that's what Walt Disney ate for breakfast. (laughs) Because I I was drawn to Walt Disney, you know, really, really? And so I would eat breakfast because that's what he ate. And so I've always asked questions. That's why I was attracted to you. I knew that you had information. I knew that you had wisdom. And I wanted to gain that wisdom as well. Wow! 20 years ago, I started another company called Masters where I just put a microphone in the, in the equation so that people could hear your answers. And, and again, that turned into another company. But I, I'm always a seeker of people with wisdom, people who have great life experiences. And that's how I've gained my knowledge.
1: That's phenomenal, Wynn. I always tell people, you know, I know people who have three and four degrees and nothing to really show for it. Like they have read all the books and taken all the classes and the courses. And I think that that is nice. But if you don't know how to apply what you're learning, right, then it means nothing. And so you have been a lifelong learner, but obviously also always in action. So can you kind of talk about how you... How do you hear or watch someone do their thing or, you know, how do you find mentors and then what process do you take to put things in action?
0: I've always needed direct application to the information that I've taken in. Mm -hmm. From my parents learned an incredible work ethic. There was eight kids in my family in a small home, so we were on top of each other. Mm -hmm. You had to learn to get along. You you <laughs> had to know how to do everything. I always ask my mom now. I have one kid, like, my gosh, mom, how'd you <laughs> oh, do it with eight? And she said, Well, I trained all of you to do all the work. <laughs> she was smart. <laughs> good so answer, we, mom. We all knew how to cook. We all knew how to clean. We all knew how to garden. We all knew how to paint. We all knew how to balance our checkbooks and do our own laundry. So that's how mom made that happen. But that gave us a great work ethic. And all my siblings are the same. We all have a really, really good work ethic. Just taking the information, I always needed to put it into action immediately. So if I sat in a seminar or if I had a great lunch meeting with a mentor or somebody who was doing really good things and they were successful, I immediately put it into action. Mm -hmm. I didn't waste time with that.
1: Yeah. And a lot of people sit on information. I know that there is someone right now listening to the sounds of our voice and they are guilty of, and it's okay, I'm not trying to shame you, but we have to disrupt this, mm-hmm. guilty of taking one course after another, you know, going to one seminar after another, reading one book after another. And it's like, that's nice. They underline, they highlight, they write it in their journal, they write it in their notebook, and then they set it on the desk. And it's like, that's nice. But I would say the reason that I've been effective is because I try to implement what I learn quickly. I can't implement everything. But if I have a great conversation with someone, I try to take away one, two, three most, like three is the maximum things that I can turn around and implement immediately.
0: I have this philosophy of ready, fire, aim, which which gets me in trouble a lot. Because sometimes I, I fire too quickly before yeah. we're ready. But, but I know people who, they're ready, aim, 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 another course, another book, aim. And they never fire. Nothing ever comes out of it. And so I'm ready, fire, aim. So we, we fired. I, I made the promise that we're all going to do this. So gosh, let's get busy because I tell the truth in advance.
1: Right. <laughs> we're going
0: to do this. And now we got to figure out how to do that. I love
1: that, though. I've been like that, too. I've been guilty of having to ask for forgiveness, but rather than permission. Because I just want to be in action, you know, and progress beats perfection, even with this podcast win. So at the time that we're recording this podcast is about six weeks old. And at the time that I decided to do it, I thought about it, thought about it. And then the opportunity presented itself. And I just stepped into it. I had three weeks to pull it all together so that iHeartRadio could, you know, give me this deal and start to sell the podcast, right? I didn't know jack about podcasts. I didn't know about the technology, the audio equipment, the this, the that. But because I was in action, I reached out to someone who I knew knew. His name is Vern Ross. He was a podcast coach. He helps people start podcasts. Built a great relationship with him. Over the years, not because I would need something, but just had been building relationship. Right. So when it came up, even though he had other clients and other stuff to do, he stopped and made so many things happen for me and worked with me through the process, right? Just so happens the next week he was going to be in Anaheim, California for the podcast movement.
0: There's a podcast movement. There's
1: a podcast okay. movement with like, I think, six, 700 podcasters who come and share best practices and... All of the different entities that can help you with a podcast were there. This is four or five days after I said yes. Next week, I clear my schedule. I'm at Podcast Movement. I meet all these people, right? I am in action. And here we are now, uh, six weeks in, we're over 10,000 unique downloads. And I didn't know what I was doing.
0: But you just said something, though. You said yes. I said yes. some people, I think they're waiting for everything to be perfect before they say yes. And- I just want to say yes, and then I'll figure it out later. Yeah. I just say yes to every opportunity. And if, if it came across my plate, it's probably for a reason. And so, sure, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's try it out. Let's figure it
1: out. Yeah. Let's make it happen. But I love that. So it's ready, fire, aim. Mm-hmm. I like that. So can you talk to me about what role the faith pillar plays in your life, in your journey?
0: Yeah. I was raised in a very strict religious household that perhaps didn't serve me, Mm -hmm. where that that religious background foundation was not for me. Mm -hmm. But what I've since learned is that there are thousands of genuine spiritual paths, and it was my job to find the one or the combination of a whole bunch of different spiritual paths Mm -hmm. that work for me. Next month, I'm celebrating 15 years clean off of drugs.
1: Congratulations. Yeah. Man.
0: Obviously, there, going through that journey had to be a lot of faith. Yeah. I think faith gives you hope. And you could be down and out in the worst way. And there's, if there's just a little tiny, tiny, tiny glimmer of hope, okay, well, we can do something with that. And I think that that hope comes through a higher power. I don't name it. There's no building that I go to on a regular basis. There's no altar that I kneel mm-hmm. in front of. But it's just something in my heart. It's something in my in my gut. You're not supposed to be asking me questions that make me all emotional. Though, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it's it's it is a, a big part. I don't think I think if you ask my audience, you know, does Wynn have a faith? I think they would probably go, I'm not really sure because I'm. It's not mm-hmm. something I don't stand and and quote scripture. I don't. Yeah. I don't really. It's not part of the language that I use on a regular basis, the way some people do, such as yourself and Tim Story and others so eloquently. It's just never been part of my language, but you better believe it's there.
1: Which was so phenomenal. I'm sitting here looking at you and you are a walking just embodiment. Of so much of those scriptures, of those different things. And I know people who can quote scriptures left and right, but you don't see it in their lives. You don't see it in the way that they treat people. You don't see it in the culture of their organizations. And they can stand up and, and Bible thump and quote a lot. But if you're not living it, when like what good is it? And so that, that's why I wanted to ask because I wasn't sure, but I just feel it. Like, I just see it in you. Whatever it is, there's definitely just a sense of peace that comes with, I think, being in alignment with who you are. You just carry that, man.
0: I think being a a dad, certainly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Before you talk about being a dad, Mm -hmm. I need them to just get a picture of how freaking cute Sophia is. This outfit that she had on. When I came to speak at the Leadership Summit, I mean, this girl is so adorable. And I understand you're not responsible for for dressing her. I'm
0: barely responsible for what I wear, <laughs> let alone what a beautiful little girl's going to wear to look her best.
1: Oh, my gosh. But she's so cute. Everything's sparkly, shiny, fashionable. I mean, and she's adorable. When I was talking to her, she's like you know, I'm only five, right? Like, you know, I'm giving you all of this goodness, but understand, <laughs> you know, I'm only five. She was just adorable. So how That's has true. being a dad changed you?
0: Absolutely more purpose. And, and thank goodness that it happened to me that I became a, a father because that was not in the cards. That was not in the plans. In fact, I probably resisted it for a very long time. And, and finally it was like, okay, this is meant to be. And, and uh, so I need to go through with this. The biggest thing is to be present because yeah. it's so easy to not be present. It's just so easy to get uh, caught up in everything that's going on. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the beauty industry, which can be very glamorous. And there's a, you know, there was a Hollywood party the other night. And, of course, I made a quick appearance at it because it was a responsibility I had to a friend. But yeah. you better believe I didn't stay for the big pictures because I got to get home. I got a little five-year-old girl at home waiting for me. So, you know, it's just what's really important in life. Helps you prioritize,
1: right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
0: And easy to do. Just really easy to do.
1: I know. I look forward to coming back home. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't look for reasons to stay out or stay gone, you know? Like, even when I travel... I'm like, what's the first flight I can take when we're done? Unless I have a friend or someone in town that I'm trying to connect with. Other than that, like, I'm not hanging out just to hang out because I actually love my family.
0: And by the way, I, I use that now too. Like I'll stand in front of the audience and say, um, by the way, um, I'm going to leave here. I'm not sticking <laughs> around to sign your books because um, I want to get home in time to put my five-year-old daughter to bed. And they're all like, oh, <laughs> Go get out of here, yeah. Win. We don't want your picture. We don't want your autograph. Get out of here, Win. So it's I'll, I'll use that to my advantage. Look, well, that's
1: too. good because all my book signings are like two hours. I'm out there forever. But let me see. Do you feel like you're living your life's purpose?
0: Yeah. Yes, I am having a successful business where I I didn't vary from that. So I started my company 35 years ago. I didn't take a bunch of tangents. I didn't mm-hmm. abandon. This company to try to start something else, or maybe I'll dabble in real estate or I'll dabble in that. I stayed true. So I worked really, really hard to establish the foundation that I have, which means I've got incredible people and I, I could work or not work, and the company's still going to do well. I like to think that they do better if I'm involved. And so <laughs> I am involved but what it's given me is the opportunity to pick and choose where i invest my time and my energy yeah. and what i now choose to invest my time and energy and probably 75 percent of my time and effort using the platform of my company is for raising money and awareness and so we're very very committed to that they call it generation g the g stands for generosity and there's mm-hmm. studies that that prove that uh, people, 85% of consumers will choose to spend money with the company based on that company's commitment to giving back to their communities, oh. meaning I can buy your product or your product. And I buy this company's product because I happen to know that as a team of everybody who works there, they're heavily involved in breast cancer awareness mm-hmm. or, or a, a, as, as a team, they recycle. Compared to the other company, which is not organizing cancer walks for all their employees or or using their stage or their their product or their platform to raise money and awareness. And so we want to be a part of Generation G. And I'm very fortunate to have a lot of time to devote to that. And there's several causes that I'm personally passionate Mm -hmm. about, but I've also... Uh, align myself with causes that maybe I'm not personally passionate about them, but but my team members are, and yeah. so I've taken on what they're passionate about because that makes people loyal. Mm-hmm. You know, pe- people will say I will work for a company that is globally aware.
1: Yeah. That's good. I think that's a great nugget for a lot of the entrepreneurs and small business owners that listen to the podcast. Because sometimes we think we have to separate the two, like where we give and the causes that we're aligned with. We think that we should keep it separate. But what you're saying is you can infuse that and it really build. Be
0: Mm-hmm. It should be infused because again, you have power and anytime that you have power and influence and, and power and influence doesn't mean that you're making a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Power and influence doesn't mean, well, once I have that title, have that position or have that sales amount, then I have power and then I'll use it to, to do good things. Uh. Uh-uh. Leadership is defined as having influence and you have influence over total strangers standing in line at the grocery store. So how you're using your power and influence, and I want to use it in a way that benefits the planet. And so when you make that part of your business model, you can be day one into your new business venture, but day one needs to have some type of a plan of how you're going to give back. How I look at it is if you have 10 things that you have to get done in the course of a day. Mm Nine of them could be related to you making money, to you building your business. The 10th one needs to be about how you're giving back, how you're using your resources to make a difference in your local community or global community. And what happens is a lot of companies wait until they're this successful to then start doing that. And... um, which it's not that it's too late because it's not too late. Any day is a good day to start realizing that you need to be using your resources to, to make a mm-hmm. difference. But if you start that in the very beginning of your career, first of all, you're going to be much more successful. You're going to attract the right people to work for you as well as the right people who want to buy your product and services. Yeah. We just have always made it a part of who we are. Back when we didn't have the, the money or the resources We were heavily involved in prevention of child abuse or issues that affected the elderly or whatever it was. But you had to have a plan.
1: I could talk to you all day. You realize that, right? Well, we have
0: already been talking for for hours. You know that, right?
1: (laughs) Like, there is so much. Okay. But I do, I have to respect the time. And I'll just bring you back because, I mean, we kind of go together. Sorry, George. We kind of go together. Okay. So I'm going to ask you here on Redefining Wealth, we always end with asking some rapid wisdom questions. Okay. So you didn't get these before, but just give me the first thing that comes to mind. How do you define success? Being a dad. Okay. I just heard the collective, oh, (laughs) from all over the country, all over the world, really. Being a dad.
0: My daughter doesn't really care or know about that I drive a nice car. She doesn't really know that I get a standing ovation from thousands of people. She just knows you're home. Did you bring a gift? (laughs) Are you going to put me down tonight? Are you going to be the first person that I see tomorrow morning? That's all she knows. And I'm a room dad. So out out of 60 room parents, I'm the only dad in her entire school, which is so funny. Even all the paperwork says room moms, hey, room moms, all the... I'm like, hi, I'm here. I'm right, here. and that
1: one dad win. I
0: know.
1: <laughs> How do you define wealth in three words or less?
0: Peace of mind.
1: Oh, that's good. Yeah,
0: I've had a lot of money and didn't have peace of mind, and so that wasn't that mm. didn't feel good to me. I mean, money is supposed to make people feel good. I think that money is power and means you can make a difference in the lives of other people including your own family, including your own loved ones. Sometimes people associate poverty with spirituality, which I never understood that. There's nothing spiritual about not being able to pay your bills. Nothing noble about it. No, I don't believe that money buys you happiness, but it can buy you a better form of misery. (laughs) And so (laughs) I want money to bring happiness to me. I want money to bring uh, joy to the people in my life. I want money to bring me peace of mind. Like, you know what? I got this. If there's a crisis in my family, I got this.
1: Yeah. I can handle it with ease and grace. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth?
0: How I see wealth? Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever read a book on wealth. I've read a lot of books about relationships. I've read a lot of clinical books like John Bradshaw's The Family. I've read books on faith-based books but I don't think I've ever read a book on wealth.
1: Well, I have one coming for okay, you. thank you. And I will make sure Please, that I my, hand deliver my first, it. first <laughs>
0: and I'll be your biggest advocate, I promise.
1: So fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is.
0: My name is Wynne, and the truth about wealth is that it's really not that important to me.
1: I know there's going to be people who are like, how can he say that? He's already wealthy, though.
0: But I could I could kick it in again for the next 10 years and really produce a paycheck. I really could. I know exactly how I would do it. I know I could. And I don't want to. I don't want to. Wow.
1: <sighs> Thank you, Wynn. I appreciate you being here. This is going to bless a lot of people.
0: Thanks, sweetheart. I love you.
1: Love you, too. I know it got emotional in that room. I'm trying to tell you, man, do you guys see, do you see now why I just love when, why I love his spirit, what he's been able to do has been phenomenal. But, you know, I say this all the time. It's a top down thing when you see organizations and if your organization has a lot of struggle and chaos and strife and bickering and division, it's not your coworker necessarily you know, it's not the guy down in the mail room. It's the person at the top. And until they get it together, everything else is going to be a mess. It doesn't matter who gets hired, who gets fired, who you bring in, who you take out until they get it together. And I think win just exemplifies for me what it can be like, you know, what success you can have, what wealth you can build when you are committed to just being a good person, like be nice or else, right? And taking action, not comparing yourself to anyone else, following your heart, you know, sticking to the plan. You know, in so many words, he said that he was committed to the vision, you know, 35 years. Come on, he's committed to the vision and I think one of the things that stuck out most to me is talking about, because I know Wynn knows some of everyone. He's already introduced me to, I can't tell you how many people. They'll probably eventually be guests and you'll think of Wynn in this interview. But he's introduced me to so many people. But I love that he said he doesn't care about, you know, people being successful or famous if it's not for the right reason. And I thought about, and her name escapes me. But I thought about a young lady who has been posting in the comments on PatriceWashington.com. And I think it was on Paul Brunson's episode where she said that she always had this view of wealthy and successful people being heartless and being greedy and just being everything negative you know, that we can think of. And a lot of that is verbal influences. It's what's we, what we heard when we were kids about wealthy and successful people. And she said that basically the podcast is shifting that because there've been so many successful authors and thought leaders and business owners like Wynn who've already been on the podcast. And you keep getting this picture of people who have heart. They're not heartless or who are actually good to other people and they're not greedy. And it's not all about them. They're actually givers. And I just love how Wynn shows up. I love how he shows up. Whenever he texts me, it does make my day. (laughs) It does make my day because he's always coming from such a great place and space. And um, I know that we can't all say that. So I'm going to pray that you are in a culture that supports you. And uh, if you are a business owner like myself, then I'm going to pray that we do the best that we can to create cultures that make other people feel so welcome And so appreciate it for their purpose, because I know what it's like on the flip side to not have that. I've seen it over and over again, and it ain't pretty. It ain't pretty. But we have the power to create the culture that we want to live in, you know? we really do. And I hope that you got some nuggets. Share this with some friends, with some supervisors, managers, bosses. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, just share the podcast in general. They'll get to this episode. Thank you guys so much for the continued support. I'm going to link to as much as I can in the show notes so you can learn more about when his phenomenal work. And um, for the Paul Mitchell Schools, again, I'm so excited that I will be on the road this year, coming to schools all over the country, sharing what I know about redefining wealth right there in your school. So look out for that. I look forward to doing it. And to everyone else, I never really mentioned it here on the podcast. Obviously, I'm a speaker. So I guess I should say if you ever, you know, have thought that I would be great for anything, your church, your women's conference, um, something at your job, I don't know, any place where I can really spread this message. Because when I was on the bathroom floor, snotting and crying and asking God, why, how did I go from a seven-figure business to scraping up change? And I found that scripture, Proverbs 17, 16, what good is money in the hands of a fool if they had no desire to seek wisdom? When it hit me, you guys, one of the things that I said is, God, if you restore me, when you restore me, I will do my best to go everywhere and share that this journey is not about chasing money. It's really about seeking wisdom. And so that's still my heart. It's been several years now and a lot has changed in my life. I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful for what my husband and I have been able to rebuild and um, what has transpired. But I should also just tell you, Yes, I'm available. So go to patricewashington.com, And if you think of anything that's a good fit, or you just want to see if I'd be a good fit or be interested. Yeah, I'm trying to get this message out. So I need you to share the podcast. Make sure you subscribe and make sure that you review because it really does help. All right, guys. So until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more